Hello, everybody. It's JJJ, the Six Button Samurai. If you've listened to my previous efforts on ruminations of a Six Button Samurai, welcome to the first episode of Oh God, It Hurts, a podcast that is a trans-Pacific dialogue between a guy in Tucson and a guy in Osaka, Japan, who have been friends for more than a quarter century and have slightly divergent but overwhelmingly common interests in the world of video gaming. With me is my fantastic co-host, person who left our hometown a good 14 years ago to join the JET program, Game Agent ET. How are you, Eddie? Good, thanks, James. Uh, Thank you for having me join you in this uh, broadcast, and I'm really excited to hopefully just have a lot of fun, talk a lot about video games and just let us, uh, let people know about what, you know, what kind of, uh, I guess, perspectives we have. And also, you know, I feel like since I live in Japan, I've seen a lot of things and maybe that will be of some interest to people. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've been there for a good 14 years now, right? Yeah. Uh, as you said before, I was, uh, in the jet program for five years. Uh, I was in Fukui prefecture, which is pretty much countryside as countryside as you can get. And after I finished, uh, five years, I moved to Osaka and tried to make it, uh, as a teacher for a career instead of just being on a program because I enjoyed teaching so much and, uh, the rest is history and yeah, I'm loving it here. And I think I'm probably going to be a lifer out here in Japan. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, because I know, you know, I think you and I both had that experience of like, you know, we grew up in this place, which is very different from Japan. Yeah. Um, but we both sort of developed that same affinity for like roughly the same cradle of video games, you know, growing up with the, NES, the Genesis, the Super NES. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd both read video game magazines and we'd see coverage of import games and you know And we met uh while you were working at a video game store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I was working at a long defunct video game store at the Tucson Mall. Um and Eddie became a regular there and there, there's it a funny story. <laughs> there's a funny story. Can you tell it? Is this me not understanding what your actual name was? Yes. Yeah. Please. Okay. Okay. So, I love the story. Um, you know, me and some other people that we knew that were like mutual friends, like most of us were pretty loud and outgoing and Eddie, being raised in the household he was as, like, the younger son in this big Chinese family, he was not the most outspoken of people. And for whatever reason, like, it was just one of those things where, like, you know, when you're a retail worker, you have a lot of regular customers. Some of them you like, some of them you don't like. Sometimes you like a person enough that you actually bothered to learn their name. And, you know, I began to learn that this person had a lot of friends in common with me. 
some of whom will hopefully eventually appear on this podcast as well. Yeah, I hope but so. For whatever reason, I had got it into my head that Eddie's name was in fact Henry. <laughs> and like, you know, he would leave the store and one of my coworkers that I was also friends with come in and be like, oh, who bought that? And I'd be like, oh, Henry was here. He bought that, you know. And so <laughs> it was like months, if not like maybe a year, year and a half later, after I started seeing him regularly in my store and at different arcades in town, that I learned that his name was in fact Eddie and not Henry. <laughs> yeah. And it was just one of those things where it's like, good Lord, how did, how did we allow this to happen? Well, it's just ridiculous. I think you asked me straight up one day when you said, how come you never told me your name was Eddie and not Henry? And, and I was just looking at you and said, well, j dude, you're like twice as big as me. I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't, I don't want to get hurt or anything. Which, you can call I mean, me whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, this was true. I mean, this was an era in my life in which I was sort of toying on with the idea of walking on to play college football and yeah I was of that size you're you're as big as an offensive guard <laughs> so right. if right. anyone it's that true. knows I football mean, yeah yeah you know I mean, how I'm, big they are so i'm and, six five and corn fed through the fence so yeah and i'm know, like and right now like, like, I'm, a buck 50. <laughs> I'm a buck 50 right now <laughs> and i'm yeah. only five seven so you were not... you were you were link dealing with the henox out in the hills you're just like <laughs> yeah. i don't want to make this thing mad yeah yeah i, I um, just i just want to play video games <laughs> uh <-huh>. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah like we both had that sort of commonality and we had a lot of friends in common and you know as the arcades began to die off you know hanging out took the form of Friday night fight outings, usually at my apartment. Yeah. You know, and we'd wind up going through phases where like one game would be the shit for months on end, and then it might peter out and we'd start playing something else. Yeah. Um, you know, there was always sort of the eternal classics that we would like return to, you know, your Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, your Alpha yep. 2, your Night Warriors. Your yeah, I focused Game a lot on yeah, fighting games, but then there was also the the Halo days when we had the mm -hmm. legendary LAN parties, and yes. we had other people bring their Xbox systems, and we'd play Halo and Halo 2 together, Right, and those were some fun times, and I think uh, some of our viewers can relate to that, you know? Uh, well, that's one of my favorite stories to tell about you. <laughs> um <laughs> You had a very unique way of <laughs> celebrating victories. That Which were rare. Think, you were think, so well, good at that game. And for me to even get any sort of victory in that game was monumental. So I had to do something special anytime right. I wanted. So, so, so tell the people what you do. Yeah, well, I would go... Uh, we would be in two separate rooms. Uh, we'd have mm -hmm. two Xbox systems and two TVs. and uh, Sometimes yeah. more. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, we talked so much smack the whole time. Mm -hmm. 
and it would oh, get yes. to me because I would be the one that would be getting hit from behind, like you know, the rifle butts from the back of the head that would kill you instantly. Right, you get you get melee. I, I, I would get melee to death almost every time. So mm-hmm. I remember one time this just just pent up anger <laughs> built up so bad that when I finally uh, I don't know if it was uh, our team that won or if I won in kills or was it like a singles game, but I remember I won and then I ran to the other room where you guys were and I started doing push-ups on the ground. <laughs> 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 and I thought you were going to kick me in the gut when I did that. Because <laughs> no, it was, no, that's the thing, though, is that I was so taken aback by the audacity of it <laughs> yeah. that like any sort of ire that I might have had yeah. just melted away. I was like, that is the funniest damn thing but, that you know, I've that, ever seen. That, because that, it wasn't just that you were doing push-ups. Yeah. <laughs> you were also just like, oh, yeah, you like that, buddy? Huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you like that? Uh-huh. Yeah, but see, that that's uh, why uh, we became such good friends. I mean, you brought this out of me like like you said i was a very quiet person but with video games i started to make friends locally and also started kind of come out of my shell i used to right no it allowed you to let your freak flag fly you know yeah and i have you and uh, our buddies to thank for that and uh Mm -hmm. and uh, also because of our the title of our podcast we always had (laughs) these little quirky things that we'd say because of our friendship that other people would listen and say, "What? Well, why the hell are they laughing? What? What? Right. I don't get it." And then we'd be giggling like school children, you know. <laughs> because uh-huh. We'd be quoting like very obscure, like uh, pop culture things that you would have to be a huge fan or like someone that would pick up like very minute things to understand what we were saying. Or you well, had to thing. be part of our clique. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with. Oh God, it hurts specifically. Yeah. Like you would randomly utter that <laughs> if like you were catching a beat down in the middle of a fighting game yeah. or like watching a replay. Yep. You'd go, Oh God, it hurts. But you know and, where we got that? From, I got that from our friend Sebastian. Uh, right. Because he got it from a movie called terminator 2 which everyone uh-huh. knows about <laughs> so uh well, can the you thing ex- is, it's the most weirdly like throwaway moment of that movie it's yeah. basically the big shootout at cyberdyne yeah um arnold's t-800 is coming down the hallway and he mm-hmm. encounters all the swap team members and he's shooting them in the legs because he has promised john connor that he wouldn't kill anyone and then there's a moment where he takes hold of that gigantic gas canister cannon yeah. and he's shooting those gas canisters to gas out the remaining SWAT members. And there's a point where he nails one of the SWAT team guys in the back and the guy collapses to the ground and he's like reaching for his back. And it's not even emphasized like in the sound mix, but you hear him go, Oh God, it hurts. And <laughs> yeah, it's not I, even loud. No, it's not even loud. It's not like a it's not like a catchphrase with a movie. It's like the most throwaway thing just became this thing in the context <laughs> of our sitting down and having these marathon gaming sessions. And I think yeah. I think that's not an uncommon thing that like 
every sort of group or clique of friends that sits down and enjoy the enjoys these things ultimately sort of comes up with their own weird little dialect. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I, I think that's why I, I feel this is a good title because <laughs> it kind of brings out that whole aura of how we became friends and stayed friends, just like our little kind of weird little, I don't know how to explain it, but just nuances or little things that help us, uh, you know, tick. Right. It's, it's, it's all it's just laugh. a set of shorthand and references for like yeah. a, a fairly specific time in our lives. Yeah. And also the, Oh God, it hurts thing. Like, you know, with the yeah. Hertz HC. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's Speed a speed of a, uh, yeah. Processor monitors refresh rate. Or a processor like a, you know, like a right. computer chip or the processor of a NES or Super NES, things like that. So, yeah. Oh, God, it hurts. Oh, God, it hurts. It hurts. So, yeah, that's essentially who we are. And yep. um, we're going to get into our next segment, which is called Water Cooler. Cool. So, what are we going to So, do? for this first episode, our water cooler topic is... Revenge of the Handhelds. Yep. Now, <laughs> one sort of key difference between myself and Mr. Game Agent ET here yes. is that I have long been much more of just kind of a straight ahead, like console and arcade machines are my bread and butter. There have been times when I have owned handhelds. There have been handheld games that I've really loved and enjoyed. Um, Chief among them would be something like um, Advance Wars Dual Strike, which I love to pieces on the Nintendo DS. Yeah. But my man Ed here has always been a devotee of the handhelds. I remember, you know, oh, his definitely. was the first time that I saw a Neo Geo Pocket Color. Yep. Um, I love that thing. I right. have three of them, I think. <laughs> right. You were the first person that I knew to wind up getting like the Game Boy Advance SP. Yep. Um, you know, you've always been at the forefront of that. So in the year 2021, to see this moment where Nintendo has what is functionally a handheld format, not just do well, but really carve out an incredible place for itself in the market and, you know, be riding on a wave of success that might lead it to be their most successful platform of all time. Yeah. And now to have steam hopping on that train and looking to get into that sort of handheld market space with steam deck. Yeah. Um, what, is, what does this moment feel like to you, Ed? Well, for me, I think it fits a lot of uh, people's lifestyles nowadays because a lot of people are getting more and more busy and especially mm -hmm. in Japan, uh, you see a lot of people playing their smartphones and I know it's the same back home in America too, but in Japan, it's like everyone has to go on trains, long train rides just to mm -hmm. get to uh, work. Uh, sometimes it takes about 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes longer. And then you also have kids who, you know, they don't have smartphones, but they play on their parents' smartphones when they're allowed to. 
And the thing about uh, portable gaming in Japan, uh, because Japan is a small country and apartments aren't very big and they usually share uh, living spaces with their families, even when they're grown up, like, you know, people, when they graduate from college, they still live at home. Yeah. Like multi-generational situations are a pretty common thing. So the last thing some people want to do is play their home systems at home with, you know, and they're 30, 40 years old and their mom is there and their dad is there and their grandparents are there, things like that. They want privacy. So yeah, Sometimes. you don't want to have to stop and explain Bayonetta yeah. <laughs> to your grandma. Exactly. <laughs> so they'd rather go out and play in the in the game centers or the mm-hmm. before COVID, obviously, or they, you know, when they go to work, they're on their phones, things like that. And we mm-hmm. were worried I was worried personally for a long time that, oh my God, because of the uh popularity of smartphone games. Uh, I think some other people around the world felt the same that uh, console gaming was about to become extinct because, uh, well, especially in Japan, like, well, I mean, even Nintendo started publishing smartphone games, right? Yeah. It got to that point where they were getting pressured by stock market uh, pundits saying like, Oh, Mm -hmm. you guys got to get into this because that's where the money is going. And, you know, you know that's even interesting though because when you look at those offerings like yeah. you know you had Super Mario Run and you had the Mario Kart one I don't yeah. know if there were others offhand uh, Animal Crossing like, Fire Emblem yeah, yeah those... but like Pokemon Go yeah but like none of those were like you could tell just by looking at those games that like this was not like Nintendo putting in their ace pitcher Oh no, no, to, definitely to not. Throw something they, out, you know. They, I mean? they were forthcoming about that too. They said we want these uh, smartphone games to be like a taster, you know, mm-hmm. a sample, so right. that if you're really interested in these games, maybe you should uh, buy our systems and buy our games on our systems, and that's mm-hmm. how they marketed uh, their smartphone games, and they also gave it to other people to work on they didn't work it on it you know in-house but right i think uh so that was starting to take off very very fast and mm-hmm. it got to the point where oh well nintendo was kind of reeling from the wii u because the wii u was kind of like the home console still but it was confusing as to what it was supposed to be uh, many people thought it was like the sequel to the Wii. Like, what? what is it? Like, do you add it on to a Wii or, you know, right. they, they just didn't know what it was. And I, frankly, I don't think Nintendo really knew what it was. So when they kind of sat down and said, OK, uh, well, we'll just take what we learned from the Wii U with that, you know, separate screen on the gamepad and kind of kind of put that technology to our next project. Uh Lo and behold, you had a switch where, wow, you you're telling me you can use this same system on the go and then you can hook it up to something to play it at home too, like on a dock. Wow. And it took off. And Mm -hmm. before you knew it, like at first I was skeptical because even though I love uh, portable systems, 
when I got one and I had it in my hands, I was like, you know, this is kind of big. I don't know if a kid would be uh, playing on this thing, but right. take it from me uh, right now. Uh, you know, I moved to Japan and I've been in Japan for 14 years as an English teacher. So right now I teach at a elementary school. And so you've got your fingers on the pulse of the youth. Yes, I do. And mm-hmm. I see kids all over, like playing out in the park, bringing their Nintendo Switches. And right. they're just playing with it and they're having so much fun. And it kind of sees the market because you know how I said before, you know, kids, they wanted to play something. They would have to wait, you know, for their parents to say, okay, you can play on my smartphone or, or here's a hand-me-down play on that before they could play it. But, you know, when the switch came out, it was like, have at it. Here you go. Here's your own thing. Leave my smartphone alone. And then mm-hmm. the kids just had a lot of fun. And, you know, they also had the Switch Lite, which is a little bit more friendly to kids. You know, they, it's a little bit smaller and a little bit more durable. Right. And, uh, yeah, I think that's what really saved Nintendo in Japan, for at least. Um, because, right. you know, the PlayStation 5 is still selling pretty decently. But if mm-hmm. you notice, anytime you read any of the sales reports, the weekly sale reports that they have in Japan, mm-hmm. you're going to see almost every time uh switch software game, you know, the games are going to be in the top 10, almost right. <clears throat> the entire top 10 most mm-hmm. of the time, because right. that's how much power a portable system that you can play at home has in Japan. And I'm not sure if it has that same sort of appeal in other countries but in japan it was definitely a game changer right yeah that's why no it was definitely the the fulfillment of you know it's crazy to think of like just how poorly the wii u performed for nintendo yeah but i mean without having tried and failed with that particular conceit you know they might not have come up with the switch so well yeah it had some features that they used for the switch you know what i mean mm-hmm. so yeah. having that sort of uh <clears throat> how should i say it oh you could play on the tv or you could play in the bathroom but they just right. extended it to wherever you want to go instead of being limited to like a few you know 10 feet or something so Absolutely. yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah me being a big portable gamer yeah it was nice to see that because uh I'm still a busy guy and I my favorite place to game is at a cafe. Mm-hmm. I hate playing at home right now because you know home uh my apartment's really small and it's a little messy so I don't want to spend too much time playing games right. at home. So I rather like uh for me it, it's more relaxing to go out and play video games at a cafe. So yeah. But Right on, man. Yeah. Well, no, like I was, like I was saying, it must be really gratifying for you to see like a handheld format, like, yeah, take up that much space in the marketplace and actually have others looking to sort of adopt that format and try to carve out some some success for themselves doing so. Well, the technology is getting better and it's probably ironically thanks to smartphones because now smartphones and tablets have much better processors inside of them that can rival 
I wouldn't say rival a PlayStation five or even a PlayStation four, but very close to it. So. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we're getting, we're slowly getting to that point of diminished returns with just raw graphic horsepower. I mean, you're at a point now where, yes, if you want to render everything in an extremely realistic fashion, you know, that is very expensive in terms of computing power and, you know, yeah. the new platforms, you know, the Series S, Series X, and PlayStation 5 yep. naturally have a huge advantage at rendering those kinds of things. But, you know, it's also this sort of world of indie games and retro things that yep. the Switch does exceedingly well now. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's really, it's interesting to see the games market continuing to sort of diversify and sort of find, you know, whatever way it is that you're most comfortable playing, there seems to be a pretty good solution for that. Yeah. And it's great to see that. I mean, Nintendo always had that philosophy that it's the games that should be more important, not the graphics. And it's turning the tides turning in their favor. So yeah, no, that hard, that, yeah, hopefully they'll ride that wave and uh, be smart about it, you know? For and sure. keep it for years to come. Yep. Um, all right. That was great for our uh, water cooler segment. <laughs> Woohoo! Um, so now we're going to move into a segment we call Now Playing, which is obviously um, where we talk about whatever it is we're happen to be playing at the moment. Um, I presently... So... I have a checkered history with a game. That game is Yoshi's Island on the Super NES. (laughs) Um, Love that game. I I was surprised that, yeah, you haven't... You were surprised I hadn't beat it yet. Yeah. See, here's the thing. I picked that up as a brand new import Mm -hmm. back in 1995. Yeah. And at the time, I was also regularly playing games with this guy named Dave. Yeah. whom we will mention from time to time as <laughs> he also worked at that video game store yep. that we met at. Um, and the thing is, he and I like grinded on that game pretty hard for like maybe a good five or six days and yeah. got to the end. And for whatever reason, like we never actually beat it. Yeah. Now, keep in mind... Um, like, we got to the last level. I know what the final encounter looks like. Yeah. But I've never actually finished the damn thing. And it's bothered me for a really long time. <clears throat> However, it's been one of those situations, and some of you might relate to this, where, I like... I do. I definitely if do. If you get really close to the end of a game, and then you don't finish it, every time you encounter that game later on it kind of pisses you off. You know what I mean? Like, it's just sort of a reminder of something that you failed to finish. And so... Why didn't you finish in the first place? That's the question that... I don't even remember now (laughs) why we didn't just plug all the way through and finish the damn thing. I don't remember what happened. Yeah, maybe life got busy. Something happened. And keep in mind, like, this is also the era in which, like, You know, I basically just had this shitty part-time job at this video game store. I was also going to community college, not in a particularly successful manner. 
um, was not a serious or focused student in that era at all. Yeah. And so for whatever reason, that game slid. And every time I would begin to play that game again, I would not get very far and I would just be like, fuck it, it's going back in the pile. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And so a few weeks ago, um, actually it was on the uh, 4th of July holiday. Yeah. I was visiting a friend of mine in Phoenix and wildly enough now, Phoenix actually has like a lot of mom and pop video game stores. Oh, really? Which, yeah, which I didn't know about. I was kind of surprised to learn that. I learned I, that from, uh, from I, a YouTuber's I, video. Yeah, I heard of the Gaming Zone. That's one I know. Did you go to that one? We went to that one as well nice. as a few others, like One Up Gaming, I think. Oh, I um, don't know that one. And a couple others that I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah. Um, I managed to land a Super Famicom yeah. and a copy of Yoshi's Island. Nice. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to approach this as if I'm playing it for the first time. Good. Like, just Good. ignore Good. that, which has happened before. Just sit down with it. You know... And the thing is, like, it's been this unbelievably rewarding experience. Like, it's such a beautiful game. It's got wonderful level design. It does. I think part of what irked me way back when, like, it was almost a little bit of, like, the Metal Gear Solid 2 thing, where, like, I was stoked to be playing Yoshi and be playing a Mario-like platformer. Yeah. But the fact that I was not yeah. playing as Mario was just a little bit like, you know what I mean? Really? Mm. And that was just at the time. But now, like, and that's putting aside, like, how irritating the baby Mario noise is. It is irritating. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's irritating for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you want to get them to shut them up, right? I mean, exactly. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's you a wanna, great incentive. Exactly. You want to retrieve him as soon as possible. Yeah. But anyway, it's been a fantastic experience. Just like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to just let this game flow into my brain and discard any previous emotions, you know, associated with failure or not beating it before. Like just live in the moment, enjoy it for what it is. And man, that game, they're still really like Nintendo themselves have not yet managed to clone what made that game great with any of the Yoshi follow-ups. No, you know they haven't. I, mean? I don't think, uh, you're right. I mean, that game is unbelievably tightly crafted and more interestingly, like even level design wise, it does a very different thing where like, you've got a smaller number of levels than we've grown accustomed to with the last few Mario titles, but those levels are long. Yeah. And they are they, long and they are challenging. Um, there's incentive too. Uh, right. I think uh, the red coins, right. And the points. Yeah. You want to get the five flowers, the 20 red coins, and then have a full timer of 30 stars. Yeah. And to get a 100 on each level. And then that opens up bonus levels. 
and I love each that of the six worlds. Yeah, and... because yeah, I'm a completionist, so that's why I really loved that game, and I pretty much beat that game a hundred percent, like with all the mm-hmm. levels. Uh, yeah, with a hundred uh, point scores. So, yeah, it was really fun. But so yeah, yeah I I am embracing that game anew for the first time, and it's great. I'm sitting at like level five four right now. Good. I'm probably gonna play some more of it tonight, but like nice. I'm not in a hurry to beat it. I'm <sighs> just savoring it, you know. And it's yeah, it's it's really it's really hitting the spot right now. Um, what are you playing right now, Ed? Um, I just finished Blaster Master Zero Two yesterday. Okay, and I did that because Zero Three just came out recently. Okay. And I, I was trying to finish it before number three came out, but things uh, got a little busy and it, the game's actually kind of, it can be kind of hard at times. <laughs> so that's <laughs> why I decided to just, you know, just go with the flow and don't rush it because the game, the zero three is going to be there. <laughs> so you mm-hmm. don't have to worry about that. I already pre-ordered it. You will bought it through the eShop and it's, you know, once it was available, it just uh, gave it the green light to play it if I wanted to. So, you know, uh, but yeah, I think uh, anyone that has played Blaster Master for NES um, and how good that game is, uh, anyone that's a fan of that, I think they would enjoy playing at least Zero and Zero Two because the storyline is kind of interesting it's actually a mix of many things it's a mix of the original blaster master uh the japanese version of this game that was uh called metafight i don't know the uh whole name but okay some of the story is blended into that and also the worlds of power books that they used to write for blaster master is a little bit of it became canon <laughs> Because uh, from some people, they were really impressed with like uh, the stories that they made from that series, that small series. Uh, I don't know if you heard about it, but there was a, I guess, a group of people that made books called Worlds of Power, and they had stories of Blaster Master and Ninja Gaiden, I believe. Whoa. So, yeah. So it's like a crossover between those? uh, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I really wish I could get a hold of these books so I can read them. But from what I heard, a little bit of the story came from Worlds of Power. So okay. I don't want to reveal huh. anything because I feel like a- anyone that's interested in playing Zero, uh, you know, Blaster Master Zero, the series, they should okay. experience it for themselves. And then once they finish it, you know, if they're interested, th- this is what I usually do, just kind of do a Google search and see what the history is with all the references. And there are a ton of references to interesting. Yeah. The Japanese game, the original NES game and the worlds of power books. So, but yeah, um, I felt it was a very rewarding experience. It was Mm -hmm. well worth playing because it feels like blaster master, but it feels like now there's a good story behind it. There's uh, a lot of gameplay elements to it that are added from the original. The music's mm-hmm. very good. Yeah. I think uh, it's from Ippo Yamada, who did some chip tunes for uh, Mega Man games. 
Okay. So, yeah. And it's by Inti Creates and coordination with Sunsoft. So Sunsoft made the original, so you know that it's going to stay true to the original. So I would highly recommend it. Yeah. Nice. So No, I, I own the first one, and I played it maybe about a third in the way of third of the way through like a, yeah. that was a game that I bought when it was on sale in the eShop. And I think I was, uh, I was taking a trip up in Colorado. Yeah. And so I was just like, Hmm, maybe I'll just like play something fresh, like while I'm out of town. And like, I was really actually pretty surprised by like the overall quality of that game. Like it's just, it's a delightful little love letter to that era of eight and 16 bit gaming. It is. And, uh, really beautiful artwork, great music. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just the gameplay itself. It feels like you're you're not deviating too much from the original NES game, at least mm-hmm. for Zero One. Zero right. Two actually makes a big jump. And that's kind of the reason why, well, Zero One, I played from beginning to end. Like I just played it nonstop. And mm-hmm. I finished it within a week, and that was very fun. With that was Zero a launch two, title, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I don't remember to be honest, but I think it came out like right about the same time as the Switch, though. Oh, okay, maybe it did because, uh, well, I didn't have a Switch at a time. I played it on my 3DS, but okay. Just uh, to let people know, Zero Two changes the dynamic. I won't say what it changes, but it does feel like a a bit of a different game and that's why i played it for a couple hours and i was like you know what i'm probably gonna you know uh parking lot this uh game until uh maybe in the future when i have more time to invest and you know really enjoy it and then uh yeah. that happened recently because uh summer vacation i don't have to teach any classes i said let's go and nice. <laughs> yeah uh it took me about a week to finish and yeah i loved it can't wait to play the third uh i'll probably try it uh as soon as today so awesome yeah all right so that's now playing um our last segment um you pose this excellent question um (laughs) so i'm gonna let you answer it first um all right if you could go back in time and snag a video game item that you used to own regardless of cost and return it to your collection, what would it be? This is a, a good question for me because I uh, already said I'm a big fan of portables, and that includes Game & Watch and mm-hmm. other handheld devices or tabletop games. If you remember the Coleco tabletop games, uh, like uh, they had uh, Donkey Kong, Frogger, Miss Pac-Man, uh, right. things like that, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I love those games, but, you know, as a kid, uh, uh, I wasn't the best at taking care of them. So, of course, eventually we all, they we all either, beat our yeah. stuff up. I mean, yeah. that's just how it was. So they would either <laughs> break or my mom would be like, oh, you don't need this anymore. Bye throw in the trash (laughs) and that would get so mad (laughs) Mm -hmm. so um i would definitely bring one of those things back definitely and not to sell but to play obviously not to sell 
So okay. I'm kind of torn between two items and it would be a hard decision because I love both games very much. Uh, one of them being the Super Mario Brothers Game & Watch because mm-hmm. now that is quite rare. And mm-hmm. uh, also it was uh, in the latter stages of Game & Watch where they were starting to phase it out, you know, the the brand. And it was one of the final titles and it was very fun. It was mm-hmm. uh, a little bit like uh, more involved than the usual Game & Watch and the graphics, uh, well, the LCD, uh, I don't know if you say etchings or drawings or whatnot, but it looked right. fantastic. Had so, more frames than those games usually do. Yeah. So that would be either uh, that item I would bring back, or uh, I also had a tabletop Qbert from Parker Brothers, if you ever mm-hmm. seen that. So like I said, um, Coleco made a line of tabletop products that, people remember the most but parker brothers made a one-off of cubert and that thing was so much fun i played it so many times that i lost the battery cover for it i remember uh i had to use uh that big it's not duct tape but it's clear tape but it's much wider (laughs) to to, to hold the four double d uh was it 4d batteries just to play i don't remember it's c or i I think it's c sorry not d i think they were c batteries yeah yeah yeah. but without a a door that i lost or broke or whatever you need something to hold it in place so i remember i had to tape it every time i had to replace the batteries but yeah that thing i love to death and yeah cubert is one of my all-time favorite games so yes i would probably bring i would steal that from my childhood self the minute i get it and then take it back nice. with me <laughs> and tell myself, deal with it. You'll see in and 30 years. And just leap into the portal <laughs> watching your younger self cry. Yeah. See, see you in 35 years. <laughs> You'll understand someday, son. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's my uh, item. How about you, James? Um, well, it's funny that you bring up Game & Watch because I do remember very fond memories of I had one of those tabletops, but it was one of the Nintendo little red tabletops. Oh. It was uh, Mario Cement Factory. Nice. I had the and, Game & Watch handheld, not the tabletop, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah I've seen that so before. That one was really cool. And in fact, I can actually remember taking that with me to go see Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom at the drive-in. <laughs> really yeah wow and it was funny because like you know i can remember my mom like looking at me in the back seat and just like you know alternating between playing this game and looking up the movie and she was just like your attention span is going to be completely shot by the time you're 15 dude this (laughs) this was before tablets (laughs) i know i'm like i'm having fun leave me alone um but that is not the item that i think i would restore to my collection um no uh (laughs) and this may be this may be because of the news like surrounding it but Mm -hmm. um I was also a big Saturn person. Yeah. And 
I bought a copy of Panzer Dragoon Saga at retail uh, when yeah. it dropped. And I played it through to the end, thankfully. Yeah. Um, and that game, I only barely understand now, like, how many things that game was doing that other games were not Yeah. at the time. I mean, to have a role-playing game that had a fully realized 3D world, you know, this is not rendered backdrops a la Resident Evil as was the technique used in the PlayStation era Final Fantasy games. Yeah. Like this was a fully realized 3D world. The battle system was just unbelievably special in the way it sort of mixed like elements of the shooters with something that was more turn-based and had more strategy to it. Um you know, and obviously, you know, between the price of that game just skyrocketing in the years since, yeah, and the apparent story that the source code to that game has been lost, yeah, um, you know, that is a really, really, really special game, and I doubt I'll ever muscle up the cash to specifically drop on a copy now because it's. How much is it now? I want I want to say it's in the four figures now. Are you serious? Four figures? Yes. Well, I oh mean it God. has a really, really low print run. I believe the the US English version of it is only something like five thousand copies. Wow. Like it's really I there's most of the copies of it floating around now are Japanese. Yeah, I was going to say, you would probably have a better chance of getting the Japanese version because right, I've seen some. And that one's available for a fraction of yeah, the cost. Like, yeah, like I would think it's about less than 20,000 yen, I would think, which yeah. is about, you know, US $200. So no, it's yeah. it's well under that. Like I, I actually, I was looking around on eBay. Yeah. Um, just for shits and giggles because, um, I was actually gifted a dead Saturn recently that I'm going to open up and I'm going to see um, if it's just like a laser thing. And I might wind up going with like a ODE solution, like the mode or something like that. Yeah. Because I, I do really miss that era of gaming. Um, but yeah, I can't see myself ever actually ponying up for an English language copy of that now because it's gotten just ridiculously expensive. But yeah, yeah. I would... I would restore my U.S. Sega Saturn copy of Panzer Dragoon Saga. Wow. I I kind of have a similar story. And yeah. it has to do with, guess what? A, a Game Boy Advance game. <laughs> uh... um, you know, I used to have a copy of Ninja 5.0. Do you know oh, that game? I knew, this, I knew this is where it was going. <laughs> and guess what? After like a month, I was thinking... I need cash. Uh, I'll probably see this game around again. So I mm -hmm. sold it. Right. And then that I didn't know that that thing had such a low print run. And now I don't know how much it is now. It's probably about 200 bucks at least. But I think it's, I think it's actually considerably more than that now. Ed. Yeah. But I'm kicking myself every day for not keeping that game because, you know, I played a little bit of it and it's fun. 
but well, you I had a like, pretty dope Game Boy Advance library at one point. Yeah, I still have Double Dragon Advance, the the retail copy that. Well, you know, I know that's I bought that's just your shit. Yeah, like that'll, yeah, that'll, that will never you'll, leave you'll my. Be, you'll be buried no, with that. No, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I want that buried with me on uh-huh. my uh, lapel pocket of my suit when I'm, you know, uh-huh. dead. But, <laughs> but anyways, Ninja Five O, yeah. Uh, it got to the point where I actually went on eBay and I tried to buy a copy, and then lo and behold, someone sold me a bootleg, <laughs> oh, and I had no idea until man. I played it, and then I was wondering, well, it plays fine, but why is my health meter never going down? And I had to look up on YouTube and see what's going on. Like I don't remember this, and then right. I found out it was a bootleg. And then wow. I had to report the guy on eBay, get my money back, and I still don't have a copy of Ninja Five L. So that's yeah. something that you know. Hopefully, I'll get to play it again someday by hook or by crook. But yeah, that's how bad I want this game. I actually, uh, I remember I paid seventy bucks for it <laughs> through mm-hmm. this guy, and then it looked fine to me. The label even looked fine to me, but then just like I said. Well, I think particularly now the value of so many of those games has gone so high that like people put together really sophisticated looking bootlegs now. Yeah, but if you're going to make a bootleg, I mean, you might as well go all the way and like make it a working ROM, you know? (laughs) Why are you going to tip me off like that? I would have been perfectly fine and probably like when I'm 80 years old and I find out you're you're telling me this is a fake I'll kill that bastard! Oh my god! Yeah, no, I mean totally. That's that's actually really funny that you would probably just own it today and not have ever thought twice about it if it had just yeah, if it worked, <laughs> I would have thought it was legit to this day. You know, it's really funny that you bring up bootlegs and a game not working correctly because that actually brings me to my own sort of second place item that I would restore to my collection. Um, yeah. So after working at the crappy video game store for a very long time, I worked at a large used bookstore here in Tucson that also had an electronic, yes, an electronics department. Yes, the famous and, store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> in my time there, I had pretty much amassed like one of every console. Yeah, because. You know, that was really one of the absolute perks of working there. Is Definitely. You'd be there when stuff came in and you'd get it for a smoking deal. And yep, take that it was all. Awesome. And yep. so for a time, I was getting really, really heavily into the Neo Geo. And um, I had sort of a Super Gun and Neo Geo MVS board solution. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the first MVS cartridges that I attempted to buy was one for Garou, Mark of the Wolves. Yes, excellent game. And there's a telltale thing with bootlegs of that game where, and I forget exactly whose stage it is. I think it's one of, it might be one of the evolutions of Terry's stage with the bridge. That sort of trains back and forth. Yeah. No, not the train. There's a bridge. Oh. um, That has like this really like 
impressive sort of line scrolling effect where like the bridge sort of kind of line shifts from left to right in this really impressive way that makes it look more like a three-dimensional object. Yeah. And pretty much if it's a bootleg, that effect will be completely broken in the ROM and like it doesn't, it doesn't scroll correctly. Oh. However, I didn't know that. Yeah. And shortly after having the cheapo MDS version of it, you know, I was beginning to buy and sell a lot of games on eBay at the time because I had this incredible access because of my kind of crappy job. Yeah. And I actually plunked down for a really nice Japanese copy, home cart copy of Garo Mark of the Wolves. Yeah. So I wound up selling the MVS cart and I got in like really deep shit because the person that I sold it to wound up figuring out later on that it was a bootleg. Oh. So I inadvertently sold this dude a bootleg of a Garo Mark of the Wolves cart, which, you know, I just ended up, I was like, just ship me the cart back and I'll give you your money back. Like, I feel terrible if this happened because I didn't even know. Yeah. Um, wow. But yeah, I guess if I could also restore an item to my collection, it would be that snazzy Japanese copy of Mark of the Wolves, with that glorious big fat bold kanji on the spine and the yellow artwork you you had that at one point i did oh yeah just make sure you don't get the bootleg because you'll come back in time and say oh my god i got the wrong one the stupid bridge i remember exactly what that stupid shitty bootleg looked like i mean it was in like this i should have been tipped off by like the funky green yes cart case but those carts kind of all came in different like some were black some had like weird clear cases some were white yeah you know that was a very sort of uh lawless uh you know that whole realm of like mbs carts and arcade boards like there's an entire universe now of like a knowledge base that just didn't exist around the year 2000 well yeah definitely this is a psa for all our listeners who are starting to get into retro games and trying to buy these old carts you might want to do your research and see how you know the roms if Mm -hmm. they how you know they work correctly or even like you know the cart builds themselves like you can look at the back and see like oh you know is is it using this type of screw or where's the placement of the screws things like that yeah, yeah, if it's got things, ROM chips that have like those little open windows, yeah, and they're not like finished burned ROM chips. Like, yeah, there's all kinds of telltale ways. Yeah, and really, one of the key things, like, if you're ever looking at like buying something expensive like that on eBay, yeah, and you email the seller, if they're not willing to open that thing up and show you the boards, yep, that's a giant red flag, and you shouldn't buy from them. Yep. Especially if they want that much money, because, you know, if they want that money, they'll have to do that for you or else no sale and they'll find someone else, I'm sure. But then they're going to end up, you know, if they find out that it's a fake, they're going to have to pay back the money anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. We just just want you to be safe. Yeah. It's all about safety. (laughs) (laughs) That's another phrase. Another phrase we like to quote. That, so at that any rate, <laughs> um, speaking for myself, 
and Game Agent E.T., we hope you've enjoyed this first episode of Oh God, It Hurts. Oh God, It Hurts! Um, we're definitely going to come back with more of this. Um, you know. Uh, yeah. Find it wherever it is. And um, yeah, that's, uh, that's all I'll, we've got. I'll definitely push it. Uh, yeah. It, I uh, am on Instagram uh, under Game Agent E.T., G-A-M-E. A-G-E-N-T-E-T. You can mm-hmm. find me on mostly Instagram. I do have a Twitter account, but Instagram's more uh, active. And how about you, James? I'm also on Instagram. I can be found at Super Barrio Kart. Um, but yeah, we will probably wind up doing like podcast-specific social media channels. But like, yeah. we just haven't gotten there yet because yeah. we're starting this thing out. But, but at any rate, mm, we hope you've enjoyed it. You got any last words, Eddie? I hope this is the start of a very beautiful thing. Thank yeah. you once again for asking me to join. And I love you guys. And thank you so much. And see you next time. <laughs> oh, God, it hurts. Oh, God, it hurts. <laughs> thank you. Peace out. Bye.